Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with spring break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. You're tuned in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Guiding your gridiron journey, none other than your host, former NFL lineman, Ross Tucker. Oh, yeah, it is. It is a new week on the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. This is the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. We'll do a college draft podcast as well today. Even Money on Tuesday. RTFP and Fantasy Feast on Wednesday. And of course, the GOAT, Greg Cosell, on Thursday. Can't wait to talk with Dominique Foxworth. I mean, you want to talk about the best and brightest. The former Raven, former Bronco. Talk with him momentarily we will have new winners this week i love new winners spread the word via social media sponsor confirmation email winners for any of our sponsors youtube shout out youtube.com slash ross tucker nfl our patron of the day david rogier r-o-z-i-e-r patreon.com slash rt media it's big show time the big show I know I say this a lot, but I have really been looking forward to getting this guy on the show. I don't say this or take this lightly when I say this. Easily one of the smartest football players I've ever met. And I'm not even talking about on the field. I'm talking about off the field stuff. We either met at Wharton or Harvard Business School. It sounds, uh, either way, it sounds great, doesn't it? And uh, I was immediately impressed. And then all he's done since then is impressed me even more. His name's Dominique Foxworth, had an awesome career as a player. You can check him out at Foxworth24 on Twitter, and they've got a terrific show as well. Man, your your show's huge now, Dominique. It's it's at Foxworth Show, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 a.m. ESPN's YouTube page. I didn't even ask you about it. Tell me about that first. So yeah, it's a show. It's on the YouTube page, and it's a podcast, so you can get it there too. But I mean, it's it's like with anything, you put in the effort, and it's gonna get good. And like we started out, it's we're entering our second year of the show. It's grown really fast, and we first started, we were okay, and now we're great. Like I mean, I just be honest with you, it's a great show. I I wouldn't say it if it wasn't because I don't want to get people's expectations up. But we do. I think we miss mix the smart with the fun and the funny. So I'm really proud of it. Um, and it had my name on it, so I wasn't going to let it be trash. <laughs> you know what's funny, Dominique? And 
I'm sure you've got, maybe I should ask that first. I know you're doing media stuff. Are you doing stuff outside of the media? Um, yeah, a little bit. I, um, so the most recent thing uh, I'm kind of proud of is I, I wrote an episode of television. It hasn't come out yet, but American Crime Story next season in the fall is coming out. So I got that under my belt. Spent about six months in the writer's room, which is pretty cool. And there's also a couple investments here and there. And then the most important thing is being an awesome husband and father, right? That's what we all are here to do anyway. That Priorities. is awesome. <laughs> Love hearing that. And I'm not surprised about the writing and the investing because the one thing I was going to tell you, and this will be funny coming from me as a guy that's in the media, but I guess when I met you, I, I guess I, I didn't envision you being in the media. I like, didn't want to be. I, 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 was, I had the opposite perspective. It's like I judged the athletes who went to talk about football afterwards because it's like you, can do, you can't do anything else. And so like I kind of backed into this. I was writing after I went and worked at the NBA Players Association uh, my wife got pregnant with our third child and we wanted to move. So I quit that job and I started writing because I didn't have another job. And then ESPN asked if I wanted to write for them. And I was like, sure. And then we got into contract negotiations and they were like, yeah, we don't pay writers that much. So you better get on TV. So I was like, show me the cameras. And next thing I know, I'm a TV guy, which is not wasn't a goal, but I'm, I'm no longer ashamed of it, which is good. That is so funny. So um, just real quick, I don't even know if my audience knows this. But I actually grew up wanting to be a broadcaster, wanting to be on TV. My dad is 5'9", a buck 65. I never thought I'd be an NFL player, certainly not an NFL offensive lineman. Yeah. And then when I went to Princeton, I kind of forgot about the broadcasting thing because nobody talks about that. They just talk about finance. So I accepted <laughs> a job on Wall Street. But then I got signed by the Redskins. So I'm, now I'm in the NFL. And I forgot about the broadcasting then because so many guys say they want to be broadcasters. So I interned for Merrill Lynch. Uh, when I played for the Cowboys, I interned for Roger Staubach's commercial real estate company because I just thought yeah. I can do other stuff. Like these other guys, like they, they, they probably have to talk about football. Like I can do other stuff. And then uh, my la what it turned out to be my last year, I went to the NFL's broadcasting yeah. boot camp because I just thought, I'll probably do finance in New York, but I got to do something football related just because I love it so much. So I literally went to the boot camp thinking, Dominique, that I would do like the Princeton games on the radio <laughs> like on Saturdays just so I had some football. And then I realized, well, I kind of love it and you can kind of do other stuff even while you're doing it. And I don't care that I went to a really good school or whatever like i like yeah. talking about football like, i mean I like football fact, I, you know the fact so of the matter is i think that's it, what i'm doing in in that when you're in that football world i think you don't often uh have a ton of experience outside the world which i think at least i can speak for myself is i had a lot more respect for people who did things that were not football related and i think that's because i didn't i had the misguided belief that somehow those things were harder or more complicated and more complex than football then when you step outside of this world and you go other places you're like no Football's pretty fucking complicated, and it requires a great deal of uh, attention to detail, and you can do things in sports that are really smart. And a lot of the best, the most talented, and most successful people in coaching and in playing and in sports media are really smart people who found a way to apply those things. So, like, maybe that's my justification for how I feel like I'm not wasting my advanced degrees, but I, I do really feel like football is as um, 
complicated or not complicated it's complex i think it's probably a better word is some of the other like finance and all the other things like i, I got a couple of things you'll appreciate one sure. is and i said this when i was a player and with you having experienced both with the nflpa and nba players association you'll appreciate this two or three times a week putting on a suit and tie and driving downtown for an internship was unbelievable motivation to play football as long as I could. Like, I was like, yeah. this sucks. Like, I don't want to have to put a suit and tie on. I don't have to drive downtown. Like, like, like this is not what I want to do. I, I my, my first thing, if I worked for the NFLPA, like, I would make off-season internships mandatory. Number one, you would realize what you might want to do or might not want to do after you're done playing Number two, you'd be like, holy crap, I, I, I got a really good thing going with, with, with playing in the NFL. Um, so I think that's, a, I think that's a, a pretty good point by you. Yeah, now the, um, I did between years of business school, I, I worked at a VC firm and like I had to get up super early because it wasn't close to our house and go in uh, and drive in and spend all day there obviously past five nine uh, i would get there around seven and then be there past five for one whole summer and then it's just like i think i'd like romanticize what like venture capital was it's like you go to all these businesses and you go help you like invest and then you help them turn their small business to a big business like i spent so many time so much time making goofy ass spreadsheets that with waterfall tables and all types of formulas in it that didn't mean anything that felt like a waste of time talk about motivation to figure out some way to do something fun where i was like this this is not like with the team with the movie i guess it's probably the way that people feel about being an athlete where like oh no we just play games score a touchdown and then party with with hot women like no it actually sucks a lot of the times and i think um being outside of other industries i had the same perception where it's like oh no this would be really cool i won't have to hit anybody like i won't be sore the next morning no there are a lot of other uncomfortable things about working in any environment which i'm sure anyone who's listening to this has worked in an environment that has a lot of things about it that are really challenging and annoying there aren't as many in the jobs that we do now which is nice i think that that's very fair like my biggest issue is probably that you know, from the first Eagles preseason game till the Super Bowl, I travel every weekend because I go call a game. And it's like, well, if that's if that's the biggest issue, like that you're traveling, you're, you're getting paid to go to a football game and talk about it when everybody else that's there is paying to be there. Like, that's probably probably a pretty good thing. It's funny. I I thought after I met you, it had to be, I want to say, oh, Five or 06 at Harvard uh, Business School is a, a program the NFL had. Um, I envision you being a GM of a team or or else running the NFL PA, which you basically, you, you did as a player. And then you were like, you were the Lloyd Howe of the NBA PA, right? Like you were like the head guy? No, no, I was the chief operating officer. So I was uh, in the running for the job. I think I was incredibly young, and I think that was ultimately what held me back. But the players' executive committee, Chris Paul, who was the president at the time, they liked me enough that they recommended to Michelle Roberts, who was the executive director, they recommended to her that she hire me. So she hired me. And, yeah, it was a great experience. The basketball players – union is very different basketball players are very different from football players like the culture of the league 
is like a bunch of independent businesses whereas obviously they understand teamwork and all that stuff but like they have real like i mean i don't have to explain to you, to you or anybody you know like lebron what he had he doesn't have much in common with any other players in the league and that's true of like all those big stars it feels like almost in the nfl there's the players and then there's the owners and the nba kind of felt like there's like players then there's like superstar players who have like incredibly different interests and uh, values. And then there's the owners, which the divide of the big market owners and small market owners are even bigger. So it was a, a really uh, intricate web to learn and try to influence. So it's interesting you say that because I was talking with Andrew Brandt last week about the franchise tag, which is like a big topic right now, right? We're in the franchise tag window. And he made the, the point about you know, there can't be many unions where you have one group of guys making 30 to 50 million and another group of guys, you know, making 800 K or whatever, because my point would be as a guy that made the minimum five of my seven years, I believe, you know, I despise the franchise tag, Dominique. Like I I hate everything about it. To me, it's like un-American. Like it's just crazy to me that your contract can be over, but you aren't able to market your services because of a decision that was made before you were even born over 30 years ago. Like that is nuts to me. But if I was in the NFL PA and I never was like an elected person because I wasn't a good enough player. And instead we elected like our best players who didn't even do the 401k thing. And it's like, what what are we even doing here? Um, But I wouldn't, like, I, I wouldn't waste negotiating capital on the franchise tag. Like, I, I want a bigger piece of the pie. I want longer benefits. Like, I want a higher minimum. So it's kind of a weird spot, right? Yeah. Like, and, and I'm curious to get your perspective on the franchise tag. So, yeah, I mean, the franchise tag, I agree with you. It's un-American, so is the salary cap, so is the draft. Like, all of these are actually illegal. They're, like, they're, they violate antitrust law. They only exist because the union exists. And the funny thing is, in 93, when the um, the union, the way the union was able to get free agency was by decertifying the union, essentially disbanding the union and forming a trade association and suing the league for their antitrust violations, which include like the draft and all that sort of stuff and not allowing players to have free agency. The ironic thing is, upon coming to a settlement, the league required that the players reform a union because they needed that union to protect them so they could be allowed to have all these antitrust violations. So while I think, obviously, as a former president and leader of two different sports unions and very heavily involved, I think the union is very much for the for the rights of the players, it provides a great deal of protection for the league also. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to have a draft. They wouldn't be able to collude in the many ways that they are legally allowed to collude. And to your original question about the franchise tag, yeah, the by and large, it only impacts a small group of players. The problem with it is the threat of it does impact a lot of other players, but it's only the highest end players. So when you're fighting for franchise tag, there's only, I don't know, tops three or four players on a team, any team that it could impact. But those happen to be some of the most powerful and influential players. So figuring out how to prioritize what you're going to go after, I think is one of the hardest things in any union, honestly. But the point that you were making is the pay disparity in these unions is so big that I think that it can 
create a bigger challenge. But the most important thing, whenever I talk to members of any union, particularly sports union, I just talked to them last week. The NFLPA had a summit in D.C. and I went and spoke there a couple of times. And one of the things that I was telling them was like, at least for me, it's less important to figure out what you want right now and more important to start to position yourself to be in a, in a strong position because the league is going to be in a strong position no matter what. So don't worry about what you're trying to get right now. Figure out pre- how you prepare yourself and understand what you're going to sacrifice. And we, I didn't anticipate going into deep union theory and conversation, but I think it's important also to be honest with the players is like, through the history of the union, the players who sacrifice the most are not the players who end up benefiting from it. But that's important that someone's willing to sacrifice because someone had to sacrifice for the players to have what they have now. And it's also important to let the players know that there will be uh, casualties is a strong word, but there will be guys whose careers are severely harmed if there is some sort of work stoppage. And you have to weigh whether it's worth it to get the things that you believe you deserve to go through that or not. But Never want to lie to the players and say, oh, we're all going to be better off. Let's just go do this. Like, no, it's going to be hard for some. We made, uh, well, I wouldn't say we made that mistake, but I do remember during the, the lockout how aggressive and strong and unified everyone was until we got closer to the deadline. And then people started getting nervous and started to break ranks. And uh, they have to be prepared, mentally prepared and financially prepared for those tough times. What do you think about, um, you know, just came out on Friday. A uh, huge leap in the salary cap, thirty million, two hundred fifty-five point four overall, thirteen point six percent jump. You know, it's funny because people act like this is a surprise, but like we know this is going to happen, right? Like we know what the percentage is. I guess what's your reaction to the number? Yeah, no, I mean it's the league's growing, and I think. Uh, how much of that growth and so this is where it becomes interesting is i don't tend to look at the those hard numbers as much as like the percentages matter because that's what when you start looking at how big the number is that goes to the players you take for granted how big the number is on the other side and and i think this is this is uh where i come down to because i think most people don't care so much about the the uh labor fight between the league and the owners but i do think it's important to be clear about risk and this is something that was i learned in business school or at least was reiterated in business school is normally the payout for any sort of investment is like commiserate with the risk that you're taking and i think this is what upsets me the most about professional sports is football specifically is the risk is so high for the players. Like the risk for your quality of life going forward. Like, I mean, it was just two years ago where we had a player die on the field. I understand that's an aberration, but the brain injuries is not an aberration for players that play professional football. Like the risk is high as hell. And it, I hate that the reward is so like tempered. Like when you first get in the league, you can only make this much. And when you get to this next level, you can only get this much. And then there's a cap on everything overall. And then when a player gets a big contract, particularly a quarterback, there's this shift. And like, now you got to play so much better. And the shift is not like on the GM. Now you have to draft better. Like all of that stuff I think is, uh, is well orchestrated by the league to have us focusing on the wrong things. But fundamentally, it's not for fans to care about, which I understand, but I do think that it's something that the players should be aware of. And we should, like, frankly, be aware that 
Jerry Jones isn't taking any risk. <laughs> so, like, however much he makes is fine, but it, in my view, it should be less than the players. Funny, I remember when I was a player, Dominique, um, talking with somebody from an organization about this, and they said, the owners have all the risk. And yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he said, well, they took all the risk. I'm like, yeah. like and I, I just thought, like, well, what's, what's their risk now? Like, I, I get it. Like, I was playing for the Bills, right? So, like, Ralph Wilson at some point, like, in 1960, loaned somebody money so that they yeah. keep, like, I, I get that. They took the risk initially. But it's like 45 years later, like I, I don't see a whole lot of risk yeah. for the NFL owners. Like I feel like all the risk now is on the player side. Right. I mean, obviously I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think that it's not only that the risk is there. I think it's also important to understand that some for negotiation purposes, this is a, a fact that is kind of frustrating and, and is why the leverage is always going to be against the players is that they own the teams. So when you think about uh, the players don't own their position, so you're not going to be able to hand it down to your son or your daughter the same way they are going to be. So like a fight for one percentage point uh, for the players means that you can get access to a little bit more money. But frankly, you won't get access to it until, unless you're a free agent, and it probably won't bump your salary nearly as much as it will unless you're a top player. But if you're an owner, that one percentage point is worth so much more because it's only 32 teams, and then you're going to hand it on to your kids. So, like, the point of fighting for my spot for my three-year career, on average three-and-a-half-year career, fighting for extra dollars for my spot it's like logically doesn't make as much sense as it does for an owner to fight for that 1% because they're going to own that team for 50 more years and then going to hand it off to someone else. So the, the motivation isn't fair along with the power um, asymmetry that makes it really difficult for players. And that's the, uh, the truth about CBA negotiations. That's really hard because no matter what, when the CBA is ratified, Everyone's going to complain. Everyone's going to say the players got their asses kicked. And they don't take into account the parameters in which we are negotiating. You got to check out his show, and you got to check him out on social media, at Foxworth Show. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Spotify, Apple. You can watch it 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN's YouTube page. Man, Dominic, I could talk with you for hours. Um, my show's 25 minutes, so I'm not going to do that. But I really appreciate the time. Great to see you. Great to talk with you. Thank you so much for coming on. No problem, buddy. We'll do it again, for sure. Man, Dominique was awesome. I knew it. I took a bunch of notes. That is a smart dude. You know what else is smart? Going to westshorehome.com slash Ross to get a free estimate on whatever it is you've been thinking in the back of your head for years now. Is it a new shower? Is it a new bathtub? Is it new windows? Is it like what I just got two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I guess now? A new door. The door is spectacular. My wife is thrilled. She had been wanting a new door forever. I was kind of like, it's a door. Like, why, why do we need a new door? Well, evidently we did. She didn't like the old one. It was like a faded purple. She didn't like it. Now we got a black one. She's in love. She likes me more. That's good for me. WestShoreHome.com slash Ross. Happy wife, happy life. WestShoreHome.com slash Ross. Tux takes. 
All right, Ross, the Chiefs, they signed former punter Matt Ariza. The Rams, they signed wide receiver Demarcus Robinson to a one-year $5 million deal. And former Chiefs and Commanders OC Eric Bieniemy, he lands at UCLA. Bieniemy's going the opposite direction of everybody else. Everybody else is leaving college football to go, or leaving, yeah, leaving college football to go to the NFL. Bieniemy, you can't look at this as anything other than a pretty steep decline for him. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Chip Kelly left being the head coach at UCLA to be the OC at Ohio State. Meanwhile, Bienemy leaves being the Chiefs OC and then the Commanders OC to be the UCLA OC. That's rough. Demarcus Robinson, I'm a little surprised he and Aguilar are signing back with their teams before they even get to free agency, but maybe they already have a feel for what it'll be. And Ariza, he's the one that had those off-field accusations that ended up being untrue. I'm glad he's at least getting an opportunity in the NFL. Seahawks, they restructured Geno Smith's contract to create cap space, and the same, they do the same to Derek Carr. But did they need to, Jack? I mean, Saints, They, I feel like they need to do any cap restructure. Sorry, I was they just can. leading you into the next. I don't care about your opinion. I'm just leading no. you into the next take. <laughs> salary cap is up 30 million from 2023 it's up to 255 million 13.6 percent jump do you care about I my opinion there you thought i cared about your opinion on it's that. a that question is... you phrase as a question what is this jeopardy <laughs> i was just trying to do a segue speaking of that here's what i know labat blue light is delicious drink some labat blue lights with your friends Live life to the power of we. Always enjoy it responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Yes, we talked about the salary cap being up quite a bit with Dominique, which was, it's awesome, uh, but he's right. It's about the percentages. Like, people are like, oh, see? The, see the, the, the collectively bargain agreement? Well, no, like, that just means that the owners are still getting 51.5%. By the way, the Bengals already informed T. Higgins they're going to tag him. And the Dolphins cut Emmanuel Ogba, the D-end, Xavier Howard, the corner, Steelers cut center Mason Cole. Even though the cap went up way more than most people thought, they still don't want those guys. They still don't think that they're worth what those guys are making. We'll have a lot more on Wednesday's show. Other than that, I think we're done here. Thanks for tuning in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also check out Even Money, Fantasy Feast, and College Draft, all on the DraftKings Network on Samsung TV+, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Shout out MyFrontPageStory.com. You know how I feel about it. There is no better gift you could ever get, like your mom, your dad, your grandpa, your grandma, whoever. I can assure you. Like, you'll be happy you got it for them forever. Backofficeschedule.com, steakhousesports.com, humanheadnyc.com, sport of culture, pizza boy brewing.